Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence being here today. And Lord, we do believe. We believe that you conquered death, and we do believe that uh, you defeated sin, death, and the devil. And Lord, I I thank you for that, because uh, none of us have been able to walk a perfect walk. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, Lord, we come before you today humbly as your servants and say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for doing all those things in a way that was so perfect at the perfect time, at the perfect place, because you're a perfect God. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, it's so good to be able to be here today. Wednesday, I did not know. But today, it's great. And I'm so thankful to see so many faces here. My name's Pastor Chris, and over there... uh, Pastor Matt, he'll be taking your questions. Ever since COVID, uh, we've been asking questions and trying to make it a little bit more participatory. Uh, And so with that being said, here's my first question. Uh, It's pretty cool whenever, well, this isn't a question, this is a statement. Um, It's pretty cool whenever I have to go to these uh, like community meetings um, because they recognize that um, Holy Cross is, has a DNA since its start of helping and serving people. And, and so whenever I, I run across a politician in, in town, they'll say, oh, you're with Holy Cross. Man, thank you so much for what you guys have done in this community. And if you're unaware, like basically what happens is when uh, somebody is about to get kicked out of their home for a code enforcement, or if they have a bad roof, then the city literally comes to us and knocks on our door and says, can you send a team over to help this person out? And we have a 30-year history of doing that. That's who we are. We're servants. And so with that being said, um, here's my first question. Just be completely honest, because so many people are just like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, what happened to you during the storm? Um, I, I want to know. Uh, it, did you lose power? Did you have flooding? Did you have roof issues? Did you have anything? Did you have nothing? Uh, so text that to 407-842-8884. And Pastor Matt will get those. Just tell us what happened to you during the storm. Um, And so I make, usually the way sermons go is you create an outline early in the week and and then you write it and and do it. And thank God that I'm not the kind of guy that writes a sermon a year in advance because this would have changed quite a bit. Um, The the verses that we're going to talk about today are from from, uh, Luke. And so let me read this. If you don't mind, put it on the screen for me. Here's what we're going to cover. This is Luke 17, 1 through 10. Jesus said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone, that's gigantic, a gigantic stone, tied, uh, was hung around his neck and that he were cast into the sea. 
then he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. Uh, and so that's the first part. Pause. So on Wednesday, I thought, okay, I'll talk about temptation. All of us face temptation. Maybe it's time for a reminder on that. And then the storm hit. And it kind of changed. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had a faith like a grain of mustard seed, that's a very, very, very small seed. You could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field after a day of work, come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I, eat, uh, while I eat and drink? And you then you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are our unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. And this is the, uh, the word of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I was thinking about this and I think you kind of throw out the playbook when something like this happens this week. It feels like to me that we've all kind of lived a sermon this week. We've all kind of lived a sermon this week where we had teaching moments where I don't know about you, but uh, boy, did I rely on God a lot this week. Uh, we got real close this week. And then I saw some things and, uh, over the course of the week, and I learned a lot. And so I'm going to share with you a few stories. And then I'm going to tie it into this scripture verse today. But I want you to know where we're going. Because you might say, gosh, Chris tells a lot of stories. Today he's kind of on overload. I promise there's a common thread to it. So I learned a lot this week. Number one, I learned that... Uh, never say it's only a tropical storm. <laughs> never say that. Let's take those words out of her mouth. Um, and also, I, I do have a question real quick. Does anybody here um, have, did, did you serve during the hurricane? Were you a police officer? Were you a first responder? Were you uh, called to duty at a hospital? Please stand up if you did. I know this is embarrassing. Come on, Chris, get up. You're the real VIPs right here, yeah. Oh, thank you. And uh, any electricians that had any hand in restoring power, God bless you. Um, but I learned a few things. Number one, I, I saw the damage like you did uh, to, to places that are really near and dear to our heart. Um, my family always goes to Little Gasparilla Island and our condo that we stayed in, the roof was just destroyed. And then I saw the pictures from Sanibel where like the bridge and the road to the causeway were completely demolished. We stayed there this year too. So here's the lesson for you all. If you own a beach house, never let the Johnsons stay in it <laughs> because it will probably be destroyed. Um, but then, uh, you know, we saw the, the, the flooding and, and uh, all the destruction on the West Coast. 
So I live on Washington Avenue, that is uh, right by the elementary school, Lake Mary Elementary. And uh, whenever we get a flicker of wind, we lose power. I mean, literally, we can get an inch of rain. And did you know that we actually got six months of rain in one day in Lake Mary? Uh, that's a lot. And so I learned a couple things about myself this week. Uh, I knew that there was a generator up here at the church. I knew that we were going to lose power. And so I came up here and picked up the generator. But then I thought I could fit it in my Hyundai. <laughs> Here's the thing. I really misjudged how much a generator weighs. <laughs> and I really misjudged the size of my vehicle. And so I'm trying to lug this, what appears to be a 12,000 pound generator in the back of my car and Rich Heminger comes up and he's laughing. He does, and he goes, what, what are you gonna tow that? No, I'm not. And so he th helps me throw it in the back of the car and then we get it to uh, my house. And sure enough, Wednesday, the first bands come through and we lose power. And I start the generator and I don't know much about generators besides don't put them in your house. But we get it plugged in and we get it running and uh, in, time for, um, in time for me to watch the Hawkeyes lose to Michigan, which was great, uh, double shot. Um, and here's the thing, our, our power goes out and I learned another valuable lesson that I'm really thankful I'm not Amish. Uh, I, the electricity thing is kind of a big deal. Um, and then I have to confess, I got a little judgy. I have two great neighbors, but one of them's kind of a hoarder. And if you're listening, you know who you are. And in the backyard, it looks like a flea market. And I look outside as the first feeder bands are coming, and I realize that my backyard is going to have a lot of trash in it that's not mine. And I get a little angry, but I love the guy. Then I have another neighbor on the other side, who for 14 years I've tried to have a conversation with, and every time he sees me and I say hi, he grunts. <clears throat> and it's weird, but we coexist. I said, how's it going? <clears throat> and he's got this oak tree that kind of hangs in my yard. And my neighbor that I love has this beautiful 30-foot bird of paradise. I mean, it's gorgeous. But it leans on my fence. And I've told him, you're in the tree business. Cut that down. You're breaking my fence. So I got a little judgy. I got a little cranky. And then you lose power. And you really find out who you love in your family. <laughs> I love them all. I also realized something that night. We played a board game. We haven't played a board game in like years. We had no electricity. So we play a board game and we play life. And I realized I'm much better at real life than fake life. And I realized I love my family. And I realized I love generators. And I love portable AC units. And I don't like TVs that much. But anyway, the point is, 
I started getting judgy in my heart. I started looking at my neighbors that hadn't done anything. Why didn't you trim your tree? Why didn't you take that bird of paradise off my fence? And then I look outside and I am reminded that we have kind of a dead pine tree that's the size of the Artemis rocket pointed right at my roof. And so we got really close with God, my family and I. My wife faithfully prayed through the whole thing. Lord, send your angels down. Put, that, put them up against that pine tree. Do not let it come down. And it didn't. And then we got power back last night, which was great. So I started thinking, how does all of this, all these lessons, how does it fit in to these verses? The things that we've learned. Maybe some of us feel a little guilty. Maybe some of us judged. And we feel a little guilty because not much happened. And so many people have lost so much. And maybe we got a little, you got a little judgy like I did. So I started thinking about this. At the beginning, I told you that Holy Cross has always been known by our servant, our servanthood. Like, we're servants of Christ, but we really do a pretty good job of serving this community. But what about this? Imagine if people in this community, Lake Mary, Sanford, imagine if they thought about this community not only as servants, but if the, the, the Jewish man, the Muslim person, the atheist, the agnostic, when you brought up Holy Cross, they would say, oh yeah, they are really good servants. They really, like, it matters that Holy Cross is here because of the work they do. But imagine if somebody said from outside this congregation that they said this, yeah, they're servants, but man, oh man, are those people at Holy Cross so forgiving and so merciful? They are some of the most forgiving people. Imagine what an impact that would make. Oh yeah, man, they are forgiving. And you see, the reason I bring this up is because Jesus has high expectations for his um, followers. And there's a common theme in Luke. And it comes through clearly in this text. Jesus instructs his, his, um, his followers to care for little ones. But he says this. He says, forgive repeatedly to those who repent. Forgive repeatedly to those who repent. And it's a tall order. Sometimes we are not good at forgiveness. When a family member sticks it to us, when a loved one says something, when, I mean, man, are we not good at forgiveness sometimes. But Jesus calls us to. And so the beginning of chapter 17, the beginning of chapter 17 uh, marks a change in the audience. Let me kind of replay this for you. Uh, at the end of chapter 16, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. I just preached about that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees in chapter 16. I totally forgot to come to you. Sorry about that. I was on a roll. I, I usually write, go to Matt, and I didn't. I'm like Anchorman. I read right on this. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so we, uh, we got, got a lot of responses. Uh, people... Um, 
uh, actually, surprisingly, a couple people came through it. Not a not a big deal. Didn't really lose power. Awesome. Really no issues. So a blessing there. A lot of people. Tell did. me who they are so we can stay at their house yeah. next time. <laughs> uh, a lot of, uh, I, I'm not going to do that, Pastor Chris, I'm not going to tell you. Um, a lot of people did lose power, though, um, for, you know, 10, 12 hours, a, a couple days. Um, we did have a couple of people that, uh, you know, uh, Chris and then Rose, that, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that did have to work. God bless you. Know, through you. the whole yeah. thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, um, and, and a, lot of, a couple people talked about. Uh, the flooding, uh, the, the Hayes family were okay, but they had a neighbor that had three or four feet of water in their house. And wow. actually, the, right by you guys? Mm. Yeah, we've been seeing reports too that the flooding is not over with. So, you know, yeah, the rivers are cresting and Sanford took that's a ongoing. Shot. And then uh, uh, Lourdes said that uh, she, they, they came through it pretty much okay as far as just a, a one small little leak. Um, but during that, uh, her grandson had to have emergency surgery. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so that's still, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff hits at once. You yeah, know? no kidding. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of people out there went, went through some stuff. Yeah. Okay, so the beginning of chapter 17 marks a change. At the end of 16, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees for their lack of, uh, of belief. And then... It, I think what's going on here, now he turns to the disciples. So he, he just rebuked the Pharisees. Now he turns to the disciples. And, and this back and forth between the disciples and the Pharisees characterize much of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. He's talking to supporters, then detractors. Supporters, detractors. Sometimes even in the same breath. And Luke invites us to imagine Jesus standing between detractors and followers turning back and forth to address one another. That's an interesting kind of concept. And Jesus' warning against causing offense to little ones is immediately followed by a call to forgive. So Jesus gives a warning, and then he says, but you got to forgive. Um, and forgiveness, of course, is like one of the most common threads in, in this. Um, the disciples responded to this call. This is interesting. Uh, can we go back to that verse real quick? Uh, can we go back? I want to show you this. This, this one stuck out to me. Um, let's go. Yeah, keep going. I think it's five. Keep going. Oh, okay, there. Good. Nope. Swipe, swipe. All right. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, don't punch him say, uh, and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So here's the thing. This is interesting. If, if you, um, I'm trying to think of a way to put this. If, if sometimes if you say, man, I, I, let's say you have a character kind of, uh, trait that you don't like. Um, I cut people off when they're talking. Ah, uh, Lord, help me to be the kind of pe person that does not cut people off when they're talking. You know, you would usually ask for what your deficiency is. But this is super interesting to me. If he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So the apostles immediately realize that by their own power, they cannot forgive somebody who sins against them seven times. This is brilliant. So instead, like you would think, Jesus says, hey, 
If somebody sins against you seven times, you've got to forgive them. You need to be more forgiving. So my natural response would be, Lord, help me to be more forgiving, right? Help me. But the apostles don't say that. This is intriguing to me. They say, increase our faith. Increase our faith. That is beautiful. I love that. That one just struck a chord in me. Because what happens when your faith increases? Man, your faith increases. Lord, increase my faith. That should be our prayer every day. Lord, increase my faith. Because if your faith increases, guess what increases? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit. What else increases if your faith increases? Oh, right. You become more forgiving the more faith that you have. Why ask God for one little component when you can say, Lord, increase my faith. I love that line. Increase our faith, Lord. That's the prayer today. Increase our faith. Because if our faith's increased, we see a lot of benefits to that. We see a lot of benefits. Um, and then there's this little story that's interesting. But I want to go back to that. They didn't ask Jesus to help them forgive or to keep them from offending little ones. Instead, they asked for faith. Whether they realized it or not, their plea demonstrates the unity between faith and action. Whether the apostles realized that or not, their plea demonstrates the link between faith and action. And so, the solution isn't merely to tell people, hey, you should be more forgiving. I know. We all should. That's not the answer. The answer is not just to do that. The solution is to proclaim the promises of Christ in a room like this. Faith comes from hearing. That's scripture. The more we're reminded about God's word, the deeper our faith becomes. The more we're engaged in the things of God, the deeper our roots of faith become. So it's quite easy to say, be more forgiving. But we're going to fail. We're going to get ticked off. We're going to lose power. We're going to say something crazy. It's so much better to say, Lord, help me to have more faith in you. So then there's this little story at the end, verses 7 through 10. Uh, can you pop that up too? I know I'm really throwing you guys. Pop this one up. 7 through 10. This is a parable Jesus told. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm bad with numbers. Here we go. Uh, go back, go back. My bad. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping... Next one. Sheep, say to him, when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at the table. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterward, you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded? So you also... When you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. 
I love this story because it, 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 so imagine that you're, uh, you know, you've got a worker in the field. He's worked all day tending your sheep or whatever. And then he comes in and he's a servant. So instead of saying, hey, sit down, relax, you had a hard day. He says, no, make me food, watch me eat it. And then when I'm done, pick it up and you can have whatever you want. And the servant's just like, all right. And, and that's an interesting story to me uh, because there is this um, element of it where he just plows through and does it because that's what he's called to do. Faithful servants aren't rewarded for doing their job. Faithful servants aren't rewarded for just doing their job. I'm going to tell a slightly embarrassing story right now. I'm sorry, children. Um, no. uh, there was a time, my kids are fantastic kids. I am so blessed. But there was a time earlier in life where I can't remember which one. But they, uh, I think I said something like, hey, can you please take the trash out? And I remember one of them saying, what do I get for it? What's that? What do I get for it? And I said, oh, okay, let me list. You get a house to stay in, you get three meals, you get car rides to school, you get video games, you get a cell phone you probably don't need, and you get computers. And I just remember like me listing this long string of things out. One of my kids finally just saying, just, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. And I was never asked that question ever again. The point is, you don't get rewarded for the things that you're supposed to do in a family. You just do it. You don't get rewarded for being, um, you don't get uh, a prize for doing what a servant does. And I admit, I'll tell my own embarrassing story, men, I hope you can relate. When you get done mowing the lawn, does anybody else stare at the lawn to see how well that the lawn, how good the lawn looks, because I do that. Just me. Okay, cool. That's embarrassing. All right, I was hoping somebody would raise their hand. Um, to be a Christian is to be forgiven and, for, and forgiving. To be a Christian is to be forgiven and forgiving. The two go together. It's simply what Christians do. We are forgiven, and we can't help but to forgive. But the object of our faith, the object of our faith is not our ability to forgive. This is where the disciples' um, texts become important. They recognize their inability to forgive as they had been forgiven. And there's so many examples of that in Scripture, of how somebody's forgiven, but yet they forget to forgive. So they pleaded for an increase of faith. That's what we need to. I'm convinced of it. Our difficulty in forgiving is ultimately a difficulty in believing the promises that God has made to us in Christ. Which means that we have to proclaim God's promises even stronger from this pulpit. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall never die but have eternal life. In Christ, God has made us his servants. We are no longer on our own. We are no longer in charge of our lives. He is the gracious, compassionate, forgiving master. He forgives us. He brings us into his house, welcomes him, welcomes us under his care, gives us meaningfully, meaningful work to do, protects us during storms, offers us a seat at his table. It's a privilege. It is an absolute privilege to be called his servant. As we proclaim these promises, as we remember what God has done, let's imagine what a church full of disciples who practice genuine forgiveness in all of their vocations. How would that look? How could that change this community? Imagine that. If you're a boss, if you're whatever you do at <laughs> work, uh, whatever you do, imagine what it would be like to be surrounded with a room full of disciples who are incredible at forgiving. Jesus' expectations are high, that's for sure. But he's darn good at forgiving. And we are his servants. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the reminder today about that everyone in this room at some point has, has been quick to judge and quick to hold forgiveness back. Lord, I pray for an increase in faith in each and every person in this room right now. An increase in faith that we would feel more love, that we would feel more joy, that we would feel more of your fruits of your spirit, that our cups would be so filled up with your presence that we couldn't help but pour that out into a community that right now desperately needs it. So Lord, help us to continue to be the servants you've called us to be, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to be the light to a community that so desperately needs it, Lord. Thank you for this place and for these families here in this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.